Tony, you're ruining our kid. The parenting podcast from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network and Go Loud with me, Jarlath Regan, and me, Tina Regan. Tina Regan, <laughs> the real brains behind the operation. The parenting and child development expert with more than 20 years of experience. You email in your questions anonymously to her and she will provide an answer. We'll select the ones that we believe will reach the most people on the show. And that's how it's going to work. This week, we have three humdingers yeah, questions that definitely cover topics that need to be talked about. Now, last week, we definitely needed to talk about, Tina, <laughs> your one regret from when we were, we had our little boy as a yeah. baby. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to say what my one was, maybe because it was too harrowing at the time. But I am, of course, referring to the time I threw our son in the air while a ceiling fan spun God. above him. I still feel sick when I think about it. It was like slow motion as he left my hands. Yeah, I couldn't even get the, the hair there. on his head fly backwards. Nothing happened. But I mean, it was as close to death as yeah. a life flashing before your eyes moment. And I guess it forced me to rein in all of my behaviour around being a kind of, I'm a crazy dad. I, I do it. I throw my kids in the air. It's crazy. I had to <laughs> sort my shit out. <laughs> and from that day, I'm not sure I ever threw him in the air again. He threw him or any other child. Or any other child. <laughs> I was admittedly doing to children I didn't know in the street. <laughs> and it was a learning curve. It was a re- regret, but definitely yeah. a vital moment in yeah. my development well, as a father. Well, I do find it hard to think about that. But um, I mean, you know, I blocked it out when you say it there again. It's like, oh, God, right back watching it. But we were lucky. We were lucky. Nothing happened like he ever. It was a moment uh, uh, yeah. of madness. Uh, uh, my own father had t- tremendous fear of kids falling over. Right. Mm-hmm. He would lunge across rooms uh, with random strangers around <laughs> when he saw a kid heading for a step. And unfortunately, I inherited the same level of worry gene. Yeah, that. I would see kids who were kind of tottering along, you know, that age where they're at, where they're kind of dragging the front of their toe on the ground. So if any item of pavement was a little bit up, it would be a face plant. And that sound is the most haunting sound for me. Well, you were the entertainment in the schoolyard in England. All the moms used to love watching Charlotte, like watch the children try and play on the climbing frames. And he just couldn't. He was like a nervous wreck. Mm. Now his face on the wall. The whole time going, oh, my God, there's going to be so many accidents and nothing would ever happen but Charlotte would have completely have had just a awful few moments I, watching nothing ever happened because I prevented all these <laughs> yeah, 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 infant you, mortality you were helping, rebalancing uh, I, I do kids. remember a lot of the time having my face to the wall yeah. I just couldn't watch they would have organised <laughs> let's make... organise a birthday party brilliant I'll just wait in the car it would make the other mums howl like you they just thought it was hilarious Kids hurt themselves, guys. (laughs) Watch out for it. Be be careful. We've so much to get through this week. I reckon we just plunge straight into question number one. Tina and Jar, I discovered the podcast from an old episode of the Six O'Clock Show. You know how you do. Go through the archives over at Virgin Media. I can't watch that. I'm still so embarrassed. (laughs) You were brilliant on it. We have a son aged three and three months. And he started Montessori in September. We toilet trained him in May. He was peeing successfully and doing pee and some poo on a potty. Fair play. Well done. Then we went away in June. Uh-oh. And he regressed. I think due to being out of a swim nappy at the beach, etc. He ended up putting... We ended up putting him back in the nappies on the holidays. And he was constantly wetting and soiling himself in public. When we came home, we removed the nappies during the day and put him back into regular pants. Okay. Since July, he will only pee in the toilet. And he only poos 
in his regular pants or in his nighttime nappy. We removed the potty altogether. He goes to sleep in a nappy at bedtime and nearly always does a poo in it before bed. What is like there's a yeah. I want to unpack what that tells you. He can go for hours not peeing if we're not in public. Uh, so he does have bladder control. That's a fair point. Yes. During the last two weeks, every time he poos in his pants, he wants to be cleaned up on his changing table, but not in the bathroom and right. not in the bathroom. Right. So there's 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 a bunch there's a of lot. stuff there. That's a lot. Okay. Um, that's a, that being having your pants changed on a changing table. I mean, it is the dream for everyone. <laughs> the level of attention. <laughs> I can't get that visual out of my brain now. Since um, starting Montessori, she says he's had one poo in his pants accident and is starting to pee in the toilet. So there's is yeah. a glimmer of hope. Recently, we've tried to incentivize him. I love this. With treats, new cars uh, to get him pooing in the toilet. This has had no effect. Oh, God. Please, please, God. please help. Um, okay, well, this is a very tricky one, but also a very normal question for us to get. We seem to get this question all the time from parents who are struggling with the toileting because... Because it doesn't go perfectly every single time. Every single time, no. no. Especially, you know, it's hard when real life comes into it. Like they went away on holiday. Could be a death in the family. Yeah, you know. You're in the middle hard. of toilet training. But, um, okay, so what I'm going to say to her is she he is still in the pants. Right. And he's doing his wheeze in the toilet during the day. Okay. So I think she needs to stop the toilet training, but she can't go back to nappies right now. So she needs to buy pull-ups. And she needs to give him the pull-ups and say very little about it, but just the child will know that she can say they're like pants, but they're kind of nappies. And if you want to go to the toilet, you pee in them, pee in the toilet and pull them down and, you know, Say as little as you can about them. I know that sounds very fearful. The reason I'm saying that is because what I want this family to do is to kind of stop the toilet training. But if he is wearing pants, I don't really want him to put back a nappy. So pull-ups would be the good in between. And when they've got a few days as a family, um, midterm is coming up, Halloween, to start the toilet training again completely and to make it really exciting he's three nearly three and a half so he is a big boy and i want them to have like a family meeting or something and make it like go into full children's presenter mode and be like you are such a big guy now big news big news from the school this is very exciting your teachers agree with us we no, we've noticed that we can trust you and you're a big guy and big guys don't wear nappies. Do you mention the previous? No, never. 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 You don't go, we, we fucked it up the last yeah. time. I know you failed. We, I know you were not big enough then. It was no. a disaster. No, 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 no. You lead it. You have to lead it. And you be like, um, say things like, we are so excited because and now you are so big that all your weebies and all your poo-poos are going to go in the toilet. Just like daddy, just like mommy. Children need to be told all the details. Like everybody poos, they put them in the toilet, they flush them away. That's what every single person does. You're a big boy now. That's what you do too. We're so excited that you're so big that you can do this. Nappies need to be gone now during the day. No more nappies. Do you go to the bin with him and bin the nappies together? No. You just introduced a nice, exciting new pants that you bought. That if you wee in, you will feel wet. Okay. And if you poo in, you will feel the poo. So don't do that. 
I had some we... visual of me doing a bonfire with the nappies. <laughs> <laughs> no, you give those nappies to another mom who needs them. <laughs> it's a wasteful jar. That's what that is. But, right. uh, but it is an occasion. Yeah. And you pick your moment. Yeah. Midterm's a great yeah, shout because sure we're going to be home for a few you're days. You're ready to do this again because yeah. it hasn't gone well for you guys. So make sure you're ready because if you're not ready, the ch- it won't work. Mm. So whatever about him being ready, you guys need to be ready to really do it this time because you can't go back to the nappies. You just can't. Whatever about the nighttime, I know that that is too stressful for a lot of people and they're just like, no, Tina, we're not doing that. Now, for me, if I was going to toilet train a child, I would always try and do it before they're two and I would always look out for signs. Like, are they talking about the toilet? I know that sounds weird, but that is a sign. Are they talking about where we, where you do your wee-wee and poo-poo? Can you bring it up? Are they surviving a night in the bed without weeing in their nappy? That's a major one. If they can do that, that means they could be successful with with pants. Okay. And she said that he's got good bladder control. Yeah. But she's also said he's doing the poo in the nappy when he goes to bed, which means when he's relaxing, the poo is coming out. Uh, So he's obviously feeling under a little bit of pressure, which is another good reason to stop the toilet train for a while and come back to it fresh. But when they feel like they are ready to take on this challenge, they should go again. I would recommend nappies gone during day and night. I get that that's a bit scary for most people. So if they want to do a pull up at night, that's fine. So a pull up at night is better because you can tell the child you can do your wee wee's in the toilet at nighttime too and your poo poo's. Just call us, get out of the bed, pull the pull up down. What you want to do is phase out that pull up and into pants. Like pull ups are great because the child doesn't have to open them and take them off like a nappy. They can treat them like their pants. Yeah. I don't particularly, I would never use them myself, but if they need to, they can. Yeah. You're looking at me like you don't agree. No, but I often just think about pampers and how much of a bloody racket it is that like, they convince the world. They have convinced Nappies are over, guys. It's time for nighttime pull ups. Yeah. And it's like, but they have, they have planted that seed. So most people do think that that's the way to go. But uh, I'm not going to judge anyone for using pull ups or those mattress things. They're bloody brilliant, but uh, I do think it would be better if you just the child feels like you trust them enough to not is, do it. Is there wee. room for an old reward chart in here? Oh yeah, like I like that. I, I've, it's funny that it's not working. The child is, you know, that's why it's obvious this needs to be restarted. But maybe a tick chart in the toilet would be fun for the child to do, like a, a very small A4 page, five columns on it, Monday, five days. Um, you know, a reward that he would like, like a cartoon, an ice cream, something like that. That's there that you can use as a reminder to him remember you're working towards that and then when he does his poo or wee he can take it himself um, that could be fun for him to do fun for anyone to do I quite like that I idea you're making a good case for it <laughs> but you know what I will say and I don't want this to sound too shocking or alarming the child is nearly three and a half they're going to Montessori school at Montessori they're expected to do a lot they're an independent person that child can change himself now when he has an accent. Jared just Hold like, on. Jared just swallowed his. Yeah. No. So you're telling me. Yeah, well, that child should be dressing themselves in the morning. It's so three and a half year old. an accident, Jared. you go. Yeah. On you go. Go get your change. Drinks. Yeah. Well, in my classroom and nursery, I would have gone, go get your, I would have given the child their bag, brought them to a room where they had privacy and said, you know, change, change off and go. <laughs> They're three and a half. I know they're three and a half, but there's just, I've often said that the saddest thing in the world <laughs> is the image of a child packing his own suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they won't, when, like, 
If you're the parent and your child is three and a half and they have weed themselves, they are fully capable of changing their mm. clothes. Also, they're not getting the one-to-one attention that they crave. They're, the changing they're having to, oh, this is so annoying. Now to change my wet clothes, why didn't I just go to the toilet? Weeing yourself it's, has to be less crack. Yeah. Obviously, if your child doesn't have those independent life skills, you will have to help them. It should never be a punishment. You're not saying, this is your... you terrible child change yourself you're just being like okay go get your clothes you've had an accident change get into something else put those in the wash treat them with respect treat them like you trust them you should have gone toilet and you should only in a toilet what were you thinking <laughs> don't say that <laughs> don't say none of your tone inner is important tone is important there's one thing that we learned from yeah. this is that when that intervention happens where you sit them down yeah you gotta be full game show host right and be like, it's so exciting. And you are such a big boy. The, you're three years old. You're after wetting yourself. Go upstairs. Yeah. The tone has to be like you said. Oh, oh, you've had an accident. Off you go. Off you go now and figure that out. Go get new clothes on, put those in the wash. I find it so hard not to say things like, not to worry. No, you can't say you not can't to say, worry. This is what I mean about tone. Like You, you need can't to go, say. It happens to the best. <laughs> no. <laughs> you no, that. you just have to say, uh, you have to kind of come in with, like if you were helping a child with their speech, you would cr- you would never correct them on the word. You would just say the right word for them to hear it, and then move on. In the same way, you have to say, "Oh, you've wet, you've had a wee in your pants. That should go in the toilet. Go get changed. Next time, do your wee in the toilet, please." Very good. Okay. I would find hard to to, <laughs> to walk that line of <laughs> fucking Egypt. <laughs> For fuck's sake, you've done it again. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> no, never shame. Never just, shame. Just them. be like, well, well, off you go, get get yourself changed then. And they're going to be in their head. They'll probably, you know, they might be very cross about that, but you'd be like, sweetheart, you've wet yourself. You need to go change your clothes. Those go in the loo. Yeah. Weewee's gone to the toilet. Poopy's gone to the toilet. And get that Everybody Poos book. It's brilliant. I'll link that Especially in the... Especially for boys. In the episode info. Thank you yeah. so much for this question. Uh, honey, you are ruining our kid at gmail.com is the place to email if you've got one for us for next week. Hi to you both. Really enjoying their podcast. I have a six-year-old boy who is funny and kind. And since he could talk, he has never stopped asking questions. A good thing, I know. I think yeah. we can all agree Yeah, that. it sounds great. He's a sensitive boy who tends to overthink a lot. That was me at that age. In the last year, he's spoken and asked about death. He gets quite upset understandably, but we never know what to say exactly. We don't want to lie to him about it, Mm. but also would love for him to not worry about it. What language should we use to speak to him regarding death? We thank you in advance. Really appreciate any help you can give on this. This is a great question on a topic that kids are feckin' fascinated. Well, they are. First of all, why is that, Tina? Well, I think the minute children start learning about numbers and how they are, they go on forever, they're infinite. Uh, for whatever reason, they start to think about our ages and our numbers. And why do why do we not get that old? Why can we not be a thousand? Well, because we die, we get older and we die. And it's a very normal thing for children in the kind of three to six age group to think about a lot. They think about it a lot because they're quite reflective. Children are quite deep tinkers. They're also around older people who may pass on and they are experiencing it. Uh, it's very, very, very normal, For first of all, is what I want to say. I am curious to know whether there has been a death in this mm, pers- in this child's family. Likely. But sure, look, the 
there's so much yeah, on the news. Yeah, of course. We've, we've, you know, it's, yeah, it's you're right. It's a very stressful time to be a kid in terms of what they're being exposed to. We've mm. got this terrible war in Ukraine. We've got... We've just, pandemic. We're still in coming through a pandemic. Um, but it is very normal for children to ask these kind of questions. He's getting upset, though. That is worrying for me. And in that way, I think the mom needs to kind of read a few books with him about indirectly dealing with it. Like, you know, there's that gorgeous book, The Invisible String. It's a brilliant book. There's also that gorgeous book, um, No Matter What, by Debbie Glory, that I just bloody love. I can't read it without crying. But just normalising the idea of it indirectly the idea of death indirectly mm. at nighttime while reading to him, just sure. making him feel like it's not so bad thinking these things. These are things that are in, you know, this yeah. is a topic surrounding us. Whereas our parents were much more like, Jesus Christ, don't bring that up. It yeah. becomes the elephant in the room. But if you're doing those books, yeah. it's like, and that's part of life. Yeah. Well, like, I always believe that, um, like, she has asked, how do I talk to him about this? And I'm a firm believer in truths children. I think children know if you're holding back and that leads to them worrying and being anxious and thinking, why won't mommy and daddy tell me the truth about that? So in whatever words she is comfortable with telling him how she feels about death, that would be the right way to do it. For me personally, I would talk to my child or the children about how we all have a life cycle, how we're a baby, a child, a teenager, a grown-up, an old person. And that is, we are very lucky if we get to go all the way to old age and that every day is so precious and that is why we try our best and we try to do as much as we can because we all have a beginning and we all have an end. And it's really helpful for children if you start teaching them about different life cycles, like the life cycle of the butterfly, the life cycle of the frog, you know, the hedgehog, different things like this, where they, the chicken, where they see that every animal has different phases of life, a beginning, a middle and an end and how it's a continuous thing that a person dies but another person is born and kind of make it, you know, it's tricky because they might ask uncomfortable questions. Like I know you're dying to jump in. No, I'm not with, dying uh, to jump in. I can see it. You're I'm dying. not at all because I think that this mom has hit on a big thing that that is just a great sign of intelligence on the part of your kid. Yeah. And yeah, that them asking that. these questions is so normal. Don't think that your kid is spiralling off down some dark tunnel. No. No, no, it is we very normal. Learn as we grow up, not to bother our bollocks wondering about the universe, life and the cycle of it all, because we just get so stuck into the day to day. But also, you know, some grown-ups are afraid to talk about like dying and death to children because they think the child is going to be like, well, this child is getting upset, but they think it's too much for them. But actually the fascination with the child can be completely not what the grown-up is expecting. Mm. They can be fascinated by the idea of the dying and not see it as a scary thing at all. Mm. Sometimes that's what you have to rein back, you know, in that, you know, kind of the goriness of it. Mm. They're Like it can sometimes not be what you're expecting. And then, Almost always, the child will just accept what you tell them. Yeah, you lead it. And move on. They will just accept it. They're like, well, that's what mommy says. So that's what I think yeah. now. So they will. You lead it. They will just accept. Like we've had quite a, you know, personal friend of ours whose child has had to do with losing one of their friends. Tiny little kid. And in the same way, we had to guide that mom in helping her just tell the kid, yes, this is really unfortunate. 
this is unusual. Most of us live a very long life, but sometimes terrible things happen and kids or grown-ups die suddenly. This is one of those times. And that can be very tricky. But again, in the same situation, that kid knew his mom was being honest with him and accepted what she told him because kids have a radar for bullshit. Wow. Wow. They really do. <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they, that is some of the fear in talking about it, isn't mm. it? That yeah. if you at all big boogie man it, yeah. you know, and turn it into something that's kind of mysterious rather yeah. than, as you say, leading it matter-of-factly. Yeah. They, uh, they will, they will accept, well, they trust they, you. Yeah, they trust you and they know, well, mommy just told me that mommy knows, like, it's fine. Yeah. My yeah, mom won't lie to me. My mom won't lie to me. My mm. mom always tells me the truth. Yeah. And they're, they're not going to be, the fascination kind of, you've kind of, you kind of, um, what's that word, pop it then. Because punctured it. You've punctured it because they're like, oh, well, I know now. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if it's the thing in the house that nobody talks yeah. about. Then it, then it becomes then a it's big, fascinating. Then it's a yeah. worry. Then it's yeah. something, oh, I can only think about that myself. Yeah. I feel like it's time for some parenting news. Okay. This may not be news to you, but... There is a man, a 27-year-old man in India who is suing his parents for giving birth to him. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is news to me. A 27-year-old Indian man plans to sue his parents for giving birth to him without his consent. Oh my God, what a, how disappointed must they be as well? A Mumbai businessman, Raphael Samuel, told the BBC, <laughs> this is not the National Enquirer, that it's wrong to bring children into the world because they have not... They have to put up with lifelong suffering. Hang on. These are his biological parents that, his biologi that raised him. It was not my decision to be born, he said. Oh, my God. I, that actually <laughs> gives me a headache because, like, I mean, what do you have to do? Uh, what's hilarious is his parents are lawyers. So <laughs> 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 Maybe he's just the ultimate two fingers to his parents. He says that he gets this along. This can't be real. He actually says he gets on very well with his parents, both of whom are lawyers. They appear to be dealing with a lot of this with great humour. Mm. <laughs> In a statement, his mother, Kavita Karnad, said Samuel explained, uh, explained her response to the recent upheaval my son has created. That's one word for it. Uh, I must admire my son's temerity. She, did she say this through gritted teeth? No, I think they've just they've just raised a gobshite there. Like I have to come out and say that. I mean, I mean that is just a total waste of time. But this mom is so used to him. You can tell. Yeah, or she's enabled him with. so much his whole life that this is the result of it. She says, I must admire my son's temerity to want to take his parents to court, knowing both of us are lawyers. <laughs> oh he knew that. And if Raphael could come up with a rational explanation as to how we could have sought his consent to be born, I will accept my fault in it. <laughs> I mean, the well, I love her. mother slap yeah. down there. Uh, yeah. If you can explain to me how I would have got <laughs> a fucking consent off you. Then you're very welcome. Well, she started that really well because I think I would have just I wouldn't be able to stop saying, "Oh my God, you are a major fucking disappointment." But like it's on, <laughs> like it's global news. Uh, no. I don't. Uh, so is this actually he's so, actually doing this? Yeah. So wow. I basically, uh, basically, I wanted to find people who were suing their parents. That's what I wanted for <laughs> for parenting news. 
there isn't that many examples of it. Uh, I I know. Uh, well, normally it's for an actually valid reason. Mm. That just sounds ridiculous. Like he's completely wasting time. Is that even going to get see its day? Uh, I doubt it. Like, what judge is going to be like? Mm, this is a very very good point. This. And it's also like not to get too serious, but it's also really unfair at a time when we've actually got court cases where yeah. you know people a waste of the courts who, who have done surrogacy are trying to get to be, you know, legal parents of their own embryo. And it's just like this guy is totally making a farcical of it. Um, Further evidence that he's a gobshite. Yeah, I think they have raised a gobshite there. They needed this podcast in their life. (laughs) Um, But we should do the tweets of the week. The parenting tweets of the week just get better and better and better. This one comes in from Michael C. Clark. Parenting is like a never ending trust fall. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely superb. It's brilliant. Parenting books never warned me how much I'd stress about socks. Are these your socks? (laughs) Are these my socks? Where's the other sock? No, I don't know where your sports socks are for the game tomorrow. Why is there a sock in the fridge? (laughs) Why am I always buying socks? Where do the socks go, though? Where does the socks go? I don't know where the socks go. This is, this is. Also, if we're being honest, our child cannot put on socks. He is the worst I've ever seen, Jarvis. I think it's a piss take now. I think it's a piss take now. This morning he put his socks on backwards, like the heel. With the heel at the ankle. I mean, it makes me want to bite into my hand when I see it. You know what? I actually had a recollection of walking around with my socks flapping off the front. No. Right? And I was like, I remember my parents, you need to pull your socks up and everybody having a good laugh about it. But you know what it is? What is it? What it is, is kids' feet are so fucking skinny yeah. that the socks don't stay up. Yeah, but Mikey, Mikey has a bigger size foot than I do. He does. He's, he's, he's becoming a giant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, final parenting tweet of the week. My parents sent my kid a book that makes farting noises. Oh, amazing. Oh, what a great parent gift. As if I won't be the one picking out their nurse. No. <laughs> A book I mean, that it, makes farting noises. Of the parenting present, like grandparent presents yeah. to kids. I cannot wait. Like yeah. I used to do this when I was just an uncle yeah. that I would arrive with a bag of sweets mm. and just be like doling the met slyly out of the corner of my hand yeah. to any kid that ran by. If I saw somebody doing that, <laughs> I would tear them apart. <laughs> The idea that I thought that was okay, mm. that like those kids weren't going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I was effectively dealing them drugs. Do you remember we went to your uncle's party and they'd left a big glass bowl of lollipops. There was carnage. It was That's, insane. He should have known better. Was he was like, a dad. It was like Scarface and the big bowl of coke. But like also it these made no sense were... for him because his house was like a show house. And then all these... Adult kids Hopping were going around, walls, running into walls, up. like fighting. There was fights. We had to pull kids off each other. It was I mean, crazy. The things that I regret doing as an uncle back in the day. Mm. I can remember taking a niece of ours out to the zoo. Yeah. And her attempting to have a nap in the back of the car. Yeah. And you telling her, wake up. I should have known because <laughs> I, what, what she's she's 18 now. Uh, I was teaching, but I didn't know babies had naps. 
I don't, well, she wasn't a baby. She was nearly two. And I thought that if she had a nap, she wouldn't sleep for her mom that night. So every time the poor child tried to go to sleep, I'd be like, hey, what would we do? I am oh. mortified by that. Because when I told her mom, I was like, she kept trying to go for a nap, but don't worry. Didn't happen. Her away. She was like, she hasn't had a nap. I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so there, so that's a, that's hardening for people listening. Yeah. There was a time when Tina knew a oh, fuck all about kids. <laughs> Let's go to our final question. Question number three. Hi, Tina and Jar. I wanted to let you know how much I love the podcast. I've already picked up so many brilliant tips. The first thing I tried was the tapas style meals. Now, this is I becoming your trademark tip. Well, I can't claim that because that is a mama passed on to me. But I have gotten so many emails going. About the tapas. Holy mololy. This is game changing. Like Except people are. Missed it. Yeah. You know, just, well, somebody's calling it their DIY meals now, which I love. That's good. But it's just about you make one dinner for the family and all you do differently is separate the components of that meal into bowls and put empty plates out and just let the kids pick what they want. One mom got in touch to say she can't believe it. Her kids are eating vegetables all the vegetables now. She just can't believe it. But like, I cannot claim that idea. That idea was handed down to me by a mom. It changed our life and I just love passing it on because it is a game changer. Eventually you just phase it out mm. and you get your plates full it's back again. It's such a brilliant move. This mom is loving it as well. She says, uh, we have a very picky eater who would only eat beige food. <laughs> but it is working well so far and she's tried several new foods. Oh, that's brilliant. I love the that. question. I have a question about anxiety and Aww. friendship issues. My daughter is six years old and recently came home from school feeling poorly with a tummy ache. But it was clear that she wasn't actually unwell. She was fine oh. as soon as she got home. I set up a little worry jar for her. Brilliant. And decorated brilliant idea. it together. And I explained she could write anything she likes and put it in the jar. Within five minutes, she popped in a little note saying that two of her friends had been fighting over oh. her. So stressful for a girl that age. At school. Oh no. Great mommy. She found her best friend within her first term at school two years ago. And they are firm friends who spend a lot of time together, both in and out of school. She has a small group of other good friends who dip in and out, often coming to play dates at our house. Recently, she spent a day with a reasonably new friend from school. And it seems to have sparked jealousy in her bestie, who thinks the new girl is taking her away from her. I'm joking, but that's this is legit. This mm. is a legit problem. Yeah. Uh, my daughter is a very kind and loving person who wants to make everyone happy. She really does not like anyone being cross or upset. And that's with her. probably why everyone wants to be her friend. She's a very kind little yeah. girl. Yeah. She's very emotionally mature too. Being stuck in this middle of being stuck in the middle of this tug of war is upsetting her and making her not want to go to school. We have had a conversation about it and I have reassured her that this is not her fault. But my practical advice to her ends at if you're feeling upset, talk to the teacher. I am reluctant to speak to other parents as it sounds like I'm being big headed and saying my daughter is so popular. Other children fight over her and I don't want other children to feel bad either. They're all good kids. Yeah. And it is not malicious at all. Mm. Is there a more practical piece of advice? Uh, is there a more practical piece of advice you can give her to help deal with this? OK, well, I think trust your instincts there. Do not talk to the other parents. That's a waste of time. Why? 
because it'll just make it bigger. Going to the parents straight away, I never recommend that because children tend to work things out themselves. And when you get the parents involved, it can become a lot bigger. What I love this mom's doing that worried her, how fantastic. Also, her relationship with her daughter is in, sounds incredible. I mean, that is something she really obviously worked really hard on and should really feel proud of herself for attaining that because this little girl trusts her mummy. I do think that little girl is still holding back a bit. So I think maybe the worry jar is great and they share that. But I think a diary would be really good for this little girl. A summer, a safe place that the mummy says, this is just for you. I want you, before you go to bed at night, put down anything that's happened in your day and only you get to see it. It can be drawings or words and then mummy can have a look at that and get a clearer picture. But my piece of advice for this mom is you need to go to the teacher. It's the teacher that needs to handle this. I sometimes think parents forget that as teachers, we work for the parents and it's our job to make sure the classroom is the kids are socialising properly and that there isn't any elements within that that is uh, stunting or causing anxiety in kids. The teacher can do a lot of different group or indirect group lessons on this. And it's the teacher's responsibility to um, make sure that every child in the class understands what it is to be a good friend and what's expected of you as a friend and how it is okay for friends to have other friendships and we don't own our friends. They're allowed to go and be with other friends and that that is okay and it's not, it doesn't mean that you have to panic and and that, you know, in a way, the teacher educating these little children about friendships is a much better way. First of all, they'll listen children will listen to their teacher yeah. it's just white noise when the parents say it they the children just think you don't get it you don't understand what i'm going through so i definitely recommend this te- this parent going to the teacher and asking her to do this and it's not a big ask that teacher should be noticing this anyway mm. if i was that teacher and i hadn't noticed this i'd be embarrassed because there's no way you're not observing that in the classroom and on the playground yeah. and w- this little girl should not have that pain in her tummy. The poor little thing. She's obviously really stressed out by it, worried about offending different friends. And we all know how tough girls can be on each other from a very young age. So when she's saying it's stressing her out or she's feeling that, she really is feeling that because she probably is having a rough time of it from friends, you know. Great advice, because I think that so many people are reluctant to ask a teacher to do something or teach a little lesson on a thing Mm. that they're witnessing. But by and large, the teachers are going to be really open to that idea. They should be and they should be doing it anyway. What about the side of this question, which is the sensitivity of the kid? I know. Because I was definitely somebody who was a people pleaser and just wanted mm. everybody to like me. And now I'm Yeah, that's really comedian. important that you said that because maybe the mom does need to help this child know that it's okay for you to have other friends. Mm. And it's okay for you to not want to play with that friend. And you don't need to worry about her feelings. That doesn't mean you're not a nice, kind little girl. Very, very nuanced point. It's very tough because I feel like we made that mistake with our little boy. Our little boy for a long time and maybe even still now 
would put every child above himself. He just wanted every child to be happy and safe and feel good when they're around him and have a good time. And to the point where he would suffer and he would be exhausted and stressed out by the whole thing. And I wish I had gotten in there sooner. Like we have now consistently worked on the fact that you matter. It's important you have a good time too. You have needs. You have needs. And, and you don't, preferences. And that child is not your responsibility. But that's not your responsibility yeah. for that child to have a good yeah. day. If that school. kid's having a tough time, yeah. why is it your job to swoop in? Yeah, it is. I don't want him not to be kind anymore, but it's also not his responsibility. And he used to think it was his responsibility to make sure that child had a good it's day. It's a tough one to teach them, It is it? tough, but we have started. We've been doing it consistently for four years now. I just wish we got in there earlier hmm. because she's obviously feeling a responsibility to be the glue hmm. and to be, you know, a good friend. And I, I do think going to the teacher, getting the teacher involved in this, try and not have to go to the parents at all. Hmm. Parents are tricky. No offence to all the parents listening well, to the show. Well, look, if somebody comes to you with that, hmm. you, you're immediately like, what are you saying about my kid? You, yeah. You do. You do tend to go there. Well, like, we all become lionesses, don't yeah. we? And, tiger, you know, what's the... Uh, What's the man, Linus? The lion? <laughs> it doesn't sound... <laughs> the as, man, Linus. It doesn't sound as powerful. No. The lioness just sounds like... <laughs> a lion. It doesn't sound as good. Um, let me ask you this, though, because uh, I think that's a great answer to this question. I hope it helped. And you yeah. obviously sent a voice note to this person. I did, yeah. And they got in touch to say... Well, they uh, they are just trying it, but she was really appreciative, right. appreciative and didn't realise she could go to a teacher. Mm. And I think a lot this of people don't saying. know that because it's funny because it's normally the people who really know, need to go and get the teacher's help that don't because rest assured there are parents going to that teacher a lot and uh, and for smaller things. So if you feel like you need the teacher's help, go get the teacher's help. And I really feel like the teachers should be more on top of these things. Yeah. Like I'm a teacher. A lot of my friends are teachers. I would expect them to notice and be on top of this stuff. Okay. It's not too much to ask. And it's a way better way of doing it. Indirectly teaching. There's no, they're not going, oh, we're only having this lesson because one of these girls in the class is feeling this. They're doing a group lesson where they're like, this is how you behave. This is what a good friend is. This is not, this is what. It's like to not be a good friend. What should you do if? Do a bit of role play, you know? It's the same with sports, right? That like, I always say this because I reckon that the way I was taught sports was mm. if you become an elite athlete, when in reality, none of the people I went to school with became elite athletes. Mm. One or two played for the county at yeah. some point. Okay. But really what needed to be taught was how to have fun yeah. playing this game. Yeah. The lesson that that teacher is giving those kids in, this is what friendship looks like. Yeah. This is the baseline understanding components and tenets yeah. of it. I mean, if you leave school with nothing else, how to be a good friend to someone. Yeah, well, I take that stuff really seriously because I remember my first year out teaching, um, I was in the cutest class ever, a little group of two and a half year olds to four year olds. But I was shocked at how young girls can start being mean to each other, like how young that kind of stuff can creep in. So um, I have always made sure that the September and October in, when I'm in the classroom is about friendship and the responsibility of being a friend and what a good friend is and what we do for each other and kindness. Because I think if you're not on that, it can be it can get out of control so fast. Sure. They're not going to lick it off the floor. no. 
unfortunately. And what I loved was a story you told from years, years back where you were doing a circle about a thing that had happened. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. One because, of the kids was like, oh, this circle's about me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where I got it wrong. Because if, you know, sometimes if something has happened and, you know, you want to teach the class about what, you know, what it is, is. If a child has done something, it, you would never single them out. Mm. So I wanted to do a very general lesson and hope that all the children heard it, but especially yeah. the child who had done it and that they wouldn't do it again. <laughs> so right and it was so you. funny. That kid, that kid was so clever, though. That is like 20 years ago. <laughs> that kid was like, it's me. She's talking about me. Just me, just Is this just me, miss? <laughs> I did that. She's definitely talking about me. I could. I was like, oh, my God, you're me. I couldn't. I just couldn't stop laughing. And obviously, I never told him, yeah, it's about you. I just kept going, oh, no, you know, like in general terms, Jesus Christ, this kid's so on to me. Is, is it mad to think that he's probably... That child was two and a half at the time. So he's 23 or 24 now. Yeah. Grown up. A working man around Dublin City. Oh, my Does God. Does that blow your mind? Probably still doing a lot of stuff he yeah, shouldn't be doing. Called up. <laughs> HR. It's just about me. <laughs> My favourite part of the show, we're there. Full disclosure. What would you like me to stop doing, Tina? Tell me okay. what it is. I don't know. Is it talking slow? Because I talk so well, I think you could work on that because Jarrett used to walk really slowly until he started a running podcast with Sonia Sullivan. He used to walk so slowly that my mother used to say, my own mother used to say, I wish I could kick him in the arse and make him go faster. Uh, I had a really bad hip injury. <laughs> no, no, not all the time, Jarrett. And I think if you can manage to run fast, you can manage to talk a bit faster too. There you go. <laughs> uh, I had no idea it was annoying you until we attempted to record this podcast three times. <laughs> and then one of the times, full disclosure, <laughs> I saw her with her hand doing the circular, get the fuck on. <laughs> I stopped the podcast and said, do we just want to not do this today? <laughs> uh, you chicken so slow. OK, I, I have it. I have it. Stop being so sensitive. <laughs> What, what do you mean you have it? You're the one telling me not to do it. I know, it but there. that was just a general one. This is the, this is the real one. Stop being so sensitive. <laughs> okay, you want me to be more brutish as a man? Got it. Okay, right. No problemo. No problemo. Consider it done. Okay, come on. Hit me with it, brave boy. Um, no, I don't think there's... Wait, oh, each of us each week does one of these where we go, I don't think there's actually any... Yeah. Um... Well, last night you called me a control freak. Oops. <laughs> I told you forgotten about that. <laughs> Mikey went to bed not feeling very well. Yeah. Tina left the door of his room open and the door of our room open. Yeah, because I wanted At to be At 5.30 I got up in the morning to check on him. Yeah. He's fine. I closed his door, went back to our room, closed our door. Yeah, but... I was notified that I was a control freak. <laughs> well, okay, it was... Half five in the morning mm-hmm. and OK, yep. but also we had agreed before bedtime that I was feeling anxious about not being able to hear him. He wasn't feeling it's well. It's the night. That's not the night. That's still technically morning. This is another thing. Charlotte thinks it's acceptable to wake up at five or half five in the morning. That's not acceptable. And if you feel the need to do that, don't wake up the other person in the room. I can't help when I wake up, by the <laughs> but way. But you can help when you wake me up. No, I can't. You can. Because literally, <laughs> listeners, if I turn sideways, <laughs> Tina will wake and sit bolt upright in the bed and go, what is happening? And I'm like, I am getting a drink from my bedside table. 
Why are you being so loud? <laughs> it was the sound of the glass meeting my lips. <laughs> so unfair. It's I, still not nighttime. I'm actually gen- genuinely. She also uses when talking in her sleep. She can also she can hear in her sleep. I genuinely think I have a, a sensory problem with my ears. Because I realise that I don't really like it when you guys are loud, and I think there's still things. Yeah. yeah, there is a thing there. I think maybe I need. Surely, to... when you're in a semi-coma, we're off the hook now. <laughs> okay, I'll try and be less loud in the middle of the night. That was the least satisfactory full disclosure of all time. <laughs> Keep your emails coming. We'll be back next week with episode eight. And lads, thank you. Yeah, the show. thank you so thank much. Thank you for spreading the word. Yeah. For rating, commenting and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're getting your podcast, it means a lot. And it means that the podcast is climbing the ladder, Monty. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid is an Irishman Abroad podcast presented in association with GoLab. Editing, research, and production by Jarlath and Tina Regan. To support the continued creation of this podcast and to hear even more Irishman Abroad podcasts, including extra bonus episodes of Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid, why not consider supporting us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad today. Don't forget to email Tina your questions on Honey, You Are Ruining Our Kid at gmail.com because, let's face it, it's hard to raise kids not to be gobshacks. Thank you.